Josh Zepus realized his pension would not be enough to live off and he took action to fix that by escaping the corporate world. His goal is to help talented professionals and solopreneurs bring humanity back to their business. This episode, you will learn how to take yourself from a shy person to a shining entrepreneur by recognizing your greatness. 20 years I spent as a, a very shy, skeptical, negative, introverted engineer. I was, I was designing semiconductors. Uh, I was a manager after a few years. And I actually did enjoy it. I just, towards the end of the career, I got some wake-up calls that made me reevaluate life and reevaluate what I was doing or not doing, I should say. Yeah. And when you got that kind of wake up call, what was it? Was it just kind of yourself looking back and going, gosh, I've been working in this job for way too long. I've climbed up the corporate ladder and there's no joy here. Or was it more like something like an actual event happened? Yeah. Great question. Uh, so someone offended my religion in a way. Oh, so I, I had this thing called the retirement plan here in the U.S. Mm. We have a retirement plan called the 401k where you just put money into it and it's supposed to work. And I never questioned it. I just everyone had one. I did it. And a friend of mine says, hey, Josh, this 401k thing, are you sure it's going to work? I'm like, of course it is. Everyone's doing it, right? It was like a drug thing. Everyone's doing it. It's wonderful. Hey. And then he's, he challenged me to do the math. I did the math on it. Sam, let me tell you something. Not only was it not going to work, but even best case scenario, market never crashes because it's tied to the stock market. Taxes never go up. I keep max funding it maximum funding it for 30 more years mm. it was mathematically impossible to retire on it and that really really made me mad uh, let's put it lightly but let me tell you what pissed me off mm. what pissed me off was i wasn't supposed to know this until it was too late i wasn't supposed to do the math right. i wasn't yeah. supposed to know that until I, try, until I turned 65 years old yeah and i tried to use it and it wasn't going to be there for me yeah that's what scared the living crap out of me and i said holy moly if I got misled or lied to about this, right. what else am I missing here? Yeah. And I just started opening up all the cabinet doors. I'm like, all right, what else do I know about success and entrepreneurship and life and happiness and health and all this kind of stuff? And I just, I dove headfirst into it. And at that point, you can't unring the bell, as they say. Once you know too much, you yeah. can't sit there in a cubicle and pretend it's all going to work out anymore. So I had to do something. What was the first kind of self-help material or book or influencer that kind of got you thinking down this way? I know a lot of people start with Tony Robbins and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, but I'm, I'm just curious, what was the one that you kind of clung to that kind of took you on this, this wild ride? I, I actually remember the book. I remember the very, very first book, and it was absolutely life-changing. Uh, someone in my company, this is back when I was about 29 years old. So this mm. is years before I got the wake-up call. Yeah. Someone says, hey, you got to read this book. And I said, nah, you know, I was that negative skeptical type, right? I don't need this woo-woo crap. I don't need to learn about the universe, whatever the hell you're talking about. Leave me alone. Yeah. But they, I think it was my boss that kind of said, no, we're going to talk about this. So you have to read it. And it was the seven, it was the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And when I read a few of those principles, like you control everything in your life. Yeah. Uh, I was like, holy crap. And it completely changed and transformed my view of everything. I actually became better at everything right after that. I just, it was like a switch yeah. that flipped. And so that's, that's seven kind of habits of highly effective people. When you read that, you controlled everything in your life. You're like, hmm, I don't control my own career. My destiny is kind of tied to this company and, and this field of work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's the thing. 
I don't know if you've read the book or are familiar with it, but there's this concept called the circle of control and the mm -hmm. circle of concern. Yeah. And the circle of control is everything you control directly, which obviously is in your control. Mm -hmm. But then there's this concept, the circle of concern, which is everything you care about. Yeah. If you have no control over. Right. Except you can control your reaction to anything that happens. Yeah. So I can't control what happens in my job. Yeah. Right. If my boss wants me to do something or, or fires me or anything. Yeah but I can control my reaction to it. And from that point forward, I was no longer getting offended by people. I was no longer uh, getting angry at other folks. Yeah. Like it just, it kind of released everything for me. I was just like, you know what? I don't have to respond to that. Yeah. I don't have to react in a negative way. I don't have to draw myself down because someone said some dirty words to me or something. Yeah. And it, it just completely changed the way I handle interpersonal relationships, how I, how I looked at the world. And it kind of set me up for more personal development. And then eventually when I got the wake up call, I was like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you just couldn't take it anymore. It was like you were existing in a, you know, in a really terrible environment for yourself. It's like you could almost feel yourself, I guess, not, not dying, but you know what I mean? Being less of yourself while being in there is, is what I'm kind of getting at, right? Yeah. The way I describe corporate, it's very unnatural. Mm. See, we're in a natural world yeah. where if you and I go out into a field and we plant the same number of seeds, we're going to have similar harvests. Yeah. But in, in corporate environment, if you work harder than the other person next to you, that does not translate to results. It doesn't translate to more money or promotion or recognition. Mm. It's just weird that it's unnatural. And that's what I started realizing. I was like, no, this just and, and when you and when you're practicing an unnatural way of life yeah. in a natural world, mm -hmm. you're asking for stress. Yeah. You're asking for this cognitive dissonance of I think this is what I sh think should be, but that's not how things are mm. and that creates so much stress and that creates disease it creates mental illness it's a lot of the things we're seeing today that people are struggling with yeah so josh when you quit your job as an engineer talk me through the first week month and year of that what did that look like i'm assuming you had you know a little bit of savings just in case things didn't go so well and you know in the back of your mind it's playing that if whatever i decide to do now doesn't work out i can always go back into engineering but you know, yeah. talk me through that, that those first few, you know, I want to say weeks and months, but however long it was while you were doing what you were doing on this journey. Yeah, it was, it was both scary and exciting at the same time. Yeah. So yes, had savings and tell my wife and she's like, oh my goodness. All right. I guess we're doing it. Right. <laughs> it was just one of those, like, it was almost surreal at first. Like, am I, am I really going to leave a 20 year career mm. and go try something new? Yeah. And I ended up going into the financial industry to teach people the same thing I just learned. Right. So offering the financial literacy, because it, it became like a cause for me. Yeah. It became like a mission because I was like, oh, wow, other people need to know, need to learn about this. Mm. Other people need to uh, be aware of this like I was. Um, and honestly, from that point forward, I'm not sure I was mentally ready. Mm. You know, I still had my employee mindset. Yeah. And I had a whole lot more personal development that I needed to do, mm. um, but I didn't wait. I just kind of jumped and it was a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, failures, successes in, in the financial industry. Mm. I had a lot of really good mentors Yeah. and that made a huge amount of difference. Okay. Right. Yeah. Someone, someone to believe in you when you don't believe in you because yeah. you're not at that level of identity. You haven't built your self-worth up high enough. To think that hey maybe i can be an entrepreneur maybe i can go out there and do this yeah because you came out of your your corporate job like i'm breaking free from the chains i'm gonna go out on my own then you're a bit like yeah. oh wait hold on um uh, what am i doing you know uh, where's my regular yeah. 
paycheck that I would get. You know, where's that this nice little deposit in my account every month? It's like I have to go out and yeah. get it. I went from free, hey, I'm free, I'm free, to free falling. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like that. <laughs> okay, so for you, when you once you kind of got your your feet under yourself and had your material down, what did that look like? What is what were you teaching people precisely? Because obviously for you, you were like. I had a good job. I was maxing out my 401k. I thought I was doing it all right. But now I see that this is the route. What is that route that, that you would advise people to take or try, try to make them see? Well, my job was just to open up their eyes to uh, a lot of the things that they weren't supposed to know. Mm. So I, I, I went on a crusade at that time to teach people the real side of money is what I called it. So everything that schools don't teach everything that your parents don't know about money and everything that the financial industry doesn't want you to know. I just open, I just expose it all. I didn't care. Uh, so I didn't make friends in the industry, but it was, it just was too important. Yeah. Uh, and so I did that for years. Uh, but what's interesting is it still wasn't my genius. It still wasn't where I was supposed to be. And uh, a few years after that, uh, one day I sat down and said, all right, time out, Josh. Stop trying to build all these businesses. Stop trying to. I was in the gym industry. I was a competitive bodybuilder, so I was doing that. I had the financial industry. I was like, timeout. What is your genius? What are you? What do you do better than everyone else you know? Yeah. What is your expertise that you build up over all these years of blood, sweat, and tears of you know the ten thousand hours? What are all these skills that you have? And then, what is your passion in the sense of where do you want to play? Yeah. And I put all that together, and it basically crystallized into what I'm doing today uh, as the identity archaeologist, which is helping people bring their humanity back to their business right. in, in, in the form of like personal branding, messaging. How do you tell the truth? How do you really just get rid of that line between personal and business? Yeah. Because that, that line should not be there. Yeah. Well, we separate personal and business. And I just want to get rid of it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, they have, you know, their work selves and this and that, you know, bear in mind, you know, obviously temperament aside and, you know, maybe like not swearing so much if you work with children. Yeah. That makes a little bit of sense. But yeah, if you're trying to act, you're never really going to be your true self in your work environment. And you're not going to really get, you know, what you truly deserve out of work. If you pretend like if you're, you know, a fun, relaxed person, then you have to go work as a very serious, whatever type of job is a serious job. I have no clue because I'm silly, but you know, that's not going to be healthy for you because you're going to be trying to, you know, split your, fragment your personality. That's right. That's right. And that's exactly what happens is we're trying to be one person in our business and another person in, at our home life. And I always say like, okay, if that's the case, who are you lying to? Are mm. you lying to your family or are you lying to your clients? Because yeah. you can't be both different, two different people when you're one person. Yeah. And what it's doing is, if you can imagine, it's literally tearing us apart. Yeah. It's tearing us apart mentally spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes even physically. Yeah. Uh, so I want to, people say, Josh, you're trying to blur the lines between personal and business. I'm like, no, I'm trying to eradicate them. Let's just tell the truth. Let's bring our humanity to our business. Yeah. Let's be open and honest with people mm -hmm. because one, it's easier. It's so much easier just to tell the truth. Mm. But also, this is the fun part. Yeah. It's more profitable. Yeah. It's far more profitable to be a human being in business than to be quote unquote professional. Yeah. And can you give me an example of, of what a, a personal kind of entrepreneur is versus then a professional? So that line's gone now. What, what's an example of how you can incorporate that as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So you could do that for, so any person can do this, obviously. Um, the way you know someone is 
bringing their humanity to their business is they're no longer product driven, mm. they're mission driven. Right. Okay. So when you, you ask them, what do they do? They don't say, oh, I sell life insurance. They, they say, look, I make sure that your, your spouse doesn't have to both beg for money and grieve your death at the same time. Right. Like there, there's another level they're operating at where they lead with their humanity. They empathize with people. They're talking about mission and vision and values and impact on the world and their purpose. And the product stuff comes later because the stuff they don't teach in school is people buy you first, your product and service second. Yeah. And if they don't buy you, mm-hmm. if they just get a weird feeling about you, like, I don't know about this person. Yeah. They're not even going to look at your product and service, no matter how great it is, no matter how much they need it. Yeah. So it's all about leading with the most unique thing in your business, which is you and being open and honest with people, letting people know why you care. Yeah. Why are you the one talking to me? Mm. Like of all the thousands or hundreds of thousands of insurance agents, for example, I keep picking on insurance people because that's where I was. Yeah. But of all these hundreds of thousands of insurance people, why should I do business with you? Why do you care so much? Why are you talking to me? Do you know what I'm going through in life? Yeah. Like building that human connection first before you even talk about products. Right. That's a person who's operating at a high level and who's figured out how to bring their humanity to their business. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to kind of touch on is because I don't know if you're aware of this, you might be because you've done all this kind of personal development and personal research. A career in engineering, it's hard. You have to focus. And, you know, if you don't focus and work hard, you won't get to that end goal. Or in your case, you know, to to the heights you reached. You said you did bodybuilding, which is exactly the same thing. Hard work. (laughs) You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of like effort has to go into it. And if you don't put that in, you're not going to ever reach that goal because you have to look at your body and respond and go, right, I need to lift more like this or do stuff like that. Is that kind of a a habit that you feel like has allowed you to be who you are? Or do you think that's something that people can learn and embody? Because to be honest, I I feel most people can learn how to become hardworking and stuff like that. But they just don't realize that most of the hard work side of life is very boring because you're just kind of thinking, why how what am i doing mm-hmm. right now you know and, and that's for most people they don't even want to do that they want to be like i'm i'm in what i'm in i feel safe i feel happy now but yeah i'm, I'm just curious on what your take is on that yeah yeah absolutely one of my favorite topics is, is something i call goal crushing yeah not just goal setting but actually how do you achieve something worthwhile mm. and i've always had that ability to be disciplined yeah. in fact bodybuilding taught me a lot of discipline a yeah. lot of self-discipline And yes, I do think anybody can accomplish something. You know, the reason we don't accomplish anything worthwhile, Mm. well, okay, the reason we don't accomplish our goals is because we don't set any goals worth accomplishing. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. How how do you set your goals worth accomplishing? So there's three questions I think everyone has to answer when setting goals. What do you want exactly? Mm. And You've heard that everyone's heard that question before. What do you want? You got to know what you want. But I'm talking about, can you taste, taste it, touch it, feel it, smell it, hold it, experience it? Can you completely see the finish line in your mind? Yeah. If you can't see it clearly, 100% clarity, mm. it's not going to happen. Right. You're, not gonna, you're not going to arrive at some hazy destination. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to work. So number one, people never have clarity. Honestly, right. they just don't really know what they want. But yeah. if they know that, that's good. Question number two is, why must you have it? Yeah. Not why do you want it? Sometimes we, I think we ask ourselves the wrong questions. It's not why do you want it? Mm. 
I want to know why must you have it. I want to know who's going to die. Mm. I want to know who's going to become destitute if you don't get it. I want to know who's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like if the if the stakes aren't high enough, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Sorry. Like I, I when I was doing personal training when I had the gym and I was doing bodybuilding, yeah. people would say I want to lose thirty pounds for my for the next couple of months. I'm like, why? Let me ask you a question. In in a couple of months, yeah, if you haven't lost this weight, will life go on? Yeah. And if they said, yeah, you know, I figured out, sure, life would go on. I said, stop, wrong goal. Nope. Let's go back to question number one, because you didn't set the right goal. You obviously, this is not something you have to have. So it's not going to happen. Sorry. You don't have any inner drive to get to that destination. No, no. And that's fine. It's not even a judgment thing. It's just, this is not the right goal for you because you obviously don't care about it. There's nothing, there are, there are, there's no accountability. There's no stakes. Yeah. Uh, and then question number three is how are you going to get there, mm. which is the easiest question if you know where you are mm. and where you have to be. Figuring out the middle yeah. is is the easiest part. So that's the part where you get to go in and see your environment and finding a good mentor yeah. and the plan and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think if people answer those three questions and they do it properly, mm. they can accomplish anything. Yeah. And so I, I guess a kind of natural place to go from there is is you know you went from corporate to the bodybuilding world to what you do now the kind of people that come to you what are these people like and and how do you help them get from you know technically a to b but you know a all the way through to z how do you kind of where do you come in that process and how does that kind of you know what does that look like oh the people i work with are absolutely beautiful people yeah they have such a heart of gold. Mm. They have a service of gold. They've got, they're a coach, they're a consultant. Sometimes you're in the financial industry. Sometimes you're a realtor. Mm. Uh, you know, they're, they're all kinds of folks, but they have value and they know it. So what they do is they go into business, right? right? They become a solopreneur and they start a business and they start consulting and coaching and all this great stuff. Yeah. And then they realize that they're following all the wrong advice. Two things, they're in a crowded industry. So they can't differentiate themselves or they're, they're shouting, they're shouting, Hey, I'm a life insurance agent. Hey, 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 come do business with me. I can really help you. I know I can in my heart of hearts. I definitely can, Yeah. but no one's listening. Mm. Everything they're saying is the same borrowed cookie cutter crap as every other insurance agent. And that they're, they're lost in what I call the sea of sameness. Yeah. So they know they've got value, but they don't know how to articulate it. Mm. And they don't, and they're, and they're a little afraid. They're introverted like me. Mm. Believe it or not, I am extremely introverted. <laughs> you just got me talking about stuff I, I like. Being an engineer, you would be a very, you know, introverted and focused and kind of like studious yes. person. So it, it does make sense when you say that. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these folks I work with are introverted and they're like, I don't want to brag about myself, Josh. I don't want to brand. I don't want to have to like talk about myself. So I help them through that process of creating that brand, getting that clarity. Mm-hmm. And when we get clarity and they know what their mission is and the purpose and vision and all this stuff, yeah, it's amazing. They just, the switch just goes over and they're like, I'm ready to go. And they're ready to shout it from the rooftops. And then they get to message in all kinds of different ways. They differentiate themselves and they start that transformation of going from shy, business shy to shine, which is the whole purpose. Is that what you described the lighthouse method? Or is, you know, what is the lighthouse method yeah. in, in detail? Kind of? <laughs> yeah, the lighthouse effect is fun. We always tell people, that I love lighthouses, yeah. but, they, but I love them for what they don't do, not so much for what they actually do. Yeah. Because lighthouses, they don't chase the ships in distress in the sea, right? They don't go out and beg ships to come into the shoreline mm. during the storm. They don't call these ships over and over, leave voicemails. They don't 
take ships out for a steak dinner and, you know, try and bribe them to become, you know, come into shore. Yeah. The lighthouses just stand there, hmm. but they stand for state. They stand for something. Yeah. They stand for safety, uh, shoreline security, everything those ships in distress need during the storm. Yeah. So I always want people to imagine if you were the lighthouse, what light would you be shining? Mm. How would, how would those ships in distress out there, which are your prospects, mm. you know, the, the, the people out there that are struggling, mm. that are capsizing, they're drowning. They're looking for your light. They're looking for your service, yeah. but they can't find you because you're not shining your light. You're shy. The light is turned off. The light is hazy. There's like a film over it because you're just not clear. Yeah. Uh, so that's really what it's about. When you go from shy to shine, you're now shining that light so brightly that ships and ships, you know, people, right. Your yeah. prospects, they come from thousands of miles to come see you because they've been looking for you and you're finally willing to show what you stand for. You finally stand for something. Yeah. So when you, when you take someone through this journey of getting them from, you know, shy to shine or I guess lame to lighthouse, <laughs> which I guess is my yeah. own take on it. <laughs> That works. How do you how do you kind of interact with them on the first day? Is it kind of you're just finding out about who they are and going through those first three questions that you mentioned before, and then yeah, where do you progress to from there? And one thing I like to ask a lot of people that do coaching stuff is your goal to train somebody and let them go, or is it like oh no, this person needs to stay with me forever type thing? Oh no no. So the the first thing we do, I always start with what do they want from working with me? It, mm. There's always the goal setting aspect. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very tangible guy. I like deliverables. Mm. So coaching with me isn't feeling, it's not just feeling good and, you know, having someone listen to you. It's not therapy. Yeah. We're actually creating brand assets. Mm. So every stage I work with a person on, we have specific deliverables and I don't do anything time-based. I don't believe in just charging for time. I believe in charging for results. Mm. So we actually create results. We, we create a brand manifesto is the stage one. That brand manifesto is your clarity around exactly why you exist, why your business exists. Yeah. Everything articulated mm. perfectly. And we keep going until it's right. Like it doesn't matter if it takes us four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks. We keep going until it is absolutely spot on. I like to do the digging and ask the questions. Yeah. The person responds. We ideate a little bit together and I go offline and I create these assets. So it's kind of a done for you concierge consulting yeah. is my ideal way to do it. I have other options but this is my favorite way to work with someone. Yeah. And it's, it's, we have to keep a very safe space yeah. because we do get vulnerable. We do open up, we, we dig very deep to find that person's treasure. Yeah. That's why I'm the archeologist. Cause I get to dig really deep with questions until we find that treasure. Yeah. And then we have to bring it to the surface. Mm. We have to let it see the light of day, dust all the crap and conditioning and BS that we were told growing up yeah. to get all rid of that crap. Mm -hmm. And then we polish it and we refine it yeah. until it shines so brightly that people do come and see it from across the world. Yeah. So yeah, it's an intimate process. You know, it, it's, it's something that's very sacred to me when I work with someone. Um, but it's absolutely business changing and life changing because it, it changes everything, right? It changes the conversations you have mm -hmm. with people. It changes your confidence, your yeah. conviction. And that's really the goal is that I want, I want someone to walk away ready to die for what they believe. Right. Ready to like full on conviction because that's what attracts people. Not the words. Yeah. People get confused. They think, Josh, give me those magic words. I'm like, yeah. there's no magic words. There's just words that you believe that you're convicted in. Yeah. And the more energy you put behind those words, the more, the more you believe what you're saying 
the more everyone else is going to believe it and want to be part of it. Yeah, well, that's that's like what you said that person did to you. You said they they kind of challenged your religion, and I was thinking, what religion is here? Then I realized you were saying uh-huh. a religion which was <laughs> corporate world. And if you believe in something so strongly, all you can really do is is go out and kind of you know quote unquote preach that message, and that's what that person was doing to you. And it, you know, look, they they converted you to a different path of life. Yeah. And so that brand manifesto. That is obviously something that they might refer back to every now and again, but I'm assuming it's something that also might change over time. Absolutely. It's a living document, but it's still their foundation. Mm. Uh, because, you know, it's funny. When I ask people, I say, do you have a brand? Yeah. They're just curious. Mm. And they say, oh, I got a brand. I've got my logo, yeah. my 500 business cards, like this is 1982 or something. And then I've got my website. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm all branded, Josh. I'm like, oh my goodness. that's Your logo is not a brand. Yeah. Your, your website's not a brand. None of this you stuff is a brand. brand. You, that's right. It, what is your foundation? What is your mission, your purpose, your vision? All these specific core elements. Uh, so yeah, so once we build their core elements, mm. they can go and then get a logo, which the way I, I, I describe a logo is a logo is to a brand what paint color is to a house. Right. Your house is the actual brand, right? The foundation. The paint color just helps people recognize it. Yeah. So... Once they are clear, once they have their foundation, they can build anything on it. Mm. They can build any marketing campaign. They can build any networking pitch or presentation. Mm. They can now are, you know, figure out what kind of logo they want once they actually understand why they exist, once they have that core. So, yeah. So what kind of document is this, this self or brand manifesto? Is it like a massive, you know, 10 page Ooh. thing or <laughs> is it like a one page simple thing? that you kind of are making for these people? Because, you know, both have their own value, but I guess for most people, if you were to provide them with, you know, a 20-page detailed summary of what they should do and who they oh. should be, they might never get through that document. Four pages. It's 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 two pages front and back. Yeah. Um, and it's just those core elements. Now, it could, it could be a little longer, a little shorter, depending on the person, because mm. we come up with the deliverables up front. Yeah. Because I at that point, I kind of know what they're looking to do and what they need. Mm. So but it's about four pages mm. and not tiny font either. So it's not this, but it's kind of like your, I call it a manifesto because it's a control chart. Yeah. You can just look at it at a glance mm. and remind yourself, oh yeah, what is my brand promise? Yeah. Oh yeah. What is my differentiator? Oh yeah. What is my client going through? Mm. So let's say you want to do a, a social media post and you're like, yeah. what do I post about? Yeah. I don't know. Geez, what's going Hey, let me go back to my brand manifesto. And let me read the diary page from my ideal client. Yeah. Let me see what my ideal client's going through. And if I met this person again, mm. what would I say to them? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I would say, yeah, that's right. They are struggling with this. Let me do a post about that. Mm. Let, me stay, let me stay true to what I believe in my stand. Yeah. And let me go ahead and create some content. So it's just that, that anchor that you can always have with you. It's just, it it kind of grounds you in your messaging, in what you believe. Mm. And then eventually, here's the cool part, you don't need it. Yeah. It, it, when, you, when you build your conviction high enough, yeah. it's not, your business is no longer what you do, it's not what you are. Yeah. And like, you don't need notes anymore. You don't have to worry about scripting. Like I, I refuse, I don't do scripts for people. I refuse, right. I say, if you have a script, give it to me, I'm gonna tear it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, stop scripting because script is fake. Yeah. You're borrowing someone else's words and mm-hmm. it's not going it, to, it might be someone else's truth because people buy scripts, don't they? They, yeah. they say, oh, Josh, I bought this, this, this guy said he made a million dollars saying this one thing or do, you know, with this yeah. kind of format. And I said, well, okay, that might be his truth, mm. 
but it's not yours. So he might have been telling the truth and that's why it worked. Mm. But if you use his words and his intention, you're lying. Yeah. And that's why it's not working for you. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things as well. People are always looking for the shortcuts. And it's, it's yeah, the like, magic pill. As well. It's just yeah. like we were saying earlier, a lot of things take hard work and long hours right. of effort or, you know, sustained effort. It's like to get to that point of accepting that you're going to have a very, very kind of long, boring journey, but you're fine with that is worth it. And I guess that's what the kind of mission statement yeah. or the brand kind of statement is for, for them. It's like, hey, if you're ever kind of worrying like, what am I doing? How's this going? It's like, I'm trying to get to here. That's right. That's right. Because one of the things, you know, one of the most important brand assets is vision. What does the finish line look like? What do you want the world to look like when you're done? And that's the thing that should drive you no matter what. That when obstacles come your way and the adversaries coming after you and all these things are happening that you think are going wrong, you can stay the course. You can stay on your mission. You can keep looking at that finish line. That's the stuff that keeps you going. I use that technique when I do, uh, I do obstacle course racing. Now I don't do bodybuilding, but I run okay. long distance obstacle course races, yeah. like 20 kilometers. And the first thing I do when I show up to the race is I go to the finish line yeah. and I look at it and I touch it. I'm like, okay, here's the finish line, Josh. Yeah. And the entire race, I keep it in my mind. Until I see that, I don't give up. Yeah, when I, when I get bloodied and tired and I, I hurt, hurt my ankle and, you know, all the stuff that makes you want to quit during the race, during yeah. anything, mm. I like, okay, Josh, if you just keep going, there's a finish. There's appreciation. There's a reward at the end. Just, you know, and I think that's why people give up too soon in life and in business because they can't see the finish line. They just think it's going to be pain and, and suffering forever. Mm. But that's not true if you're moving the right direction and you know what the finish line looks like. We've been talking a lot about success and how to achieve success. But one thing that I always find quite interesting is the lessons that can be learned from failure. Because in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and life, you know, it, I wish it was just one endless success train. Maybe other people <laughs> have got that magic that potion, but I don't. So what's been one of your, your biggest takeaways from, you know, something that went wrong or something that you failed at? And there might be multiple. Feel free to share multiple if you have multiple. I fail every day. Every single day. In fact, if I don't fail, I don't feel like I'm succeeding. Mm. Uh, one of the best quotes I've ever heard on this is, success feels like failure every step of the way. Mm. And, it, and it's really, that, that's exactly what it feels like. Every day I feel like I'm failing until then it works, mm. right? That, that goal that I was going for, oh, I hit it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But I felt like nothing was happening. I felt like I was failing. Mm. So... It's just that feeling that I think the biggest thing I learned is uh, as long as you keep your eyes on the goal, the, the, the obstacles tend to fall away. Yeah. That, uh, but yeah, it's going to feel like failure. And I, I have a practice of, in fact, I talked about this yesterday, that some people talk to imaginary friends. And that's okay. No judgment. Talk to your imaginary friend. That's great. I talk to imaginary adversaries. So when something bad happens or something gets in my way, I say, really? Really, adversary? Is that the best you got? Because it's not going to stop me. Nice try. Nice try this time. I, I see you give me that flat tire on the way to that very important meeting. And you think that was going to stop me from getting there? No, no, no nice try. <laughs> so I talk to the adversary and that gets me, that gets me through. Um, that helps me just, I, I, I don't ignore failures. I recognize them and I say, out of my way, just out of my way. But I expect them. The adversary is going to come after you. You, you can't, 
If you don't think the adversary is going to come after you, you're going to get blindsided. And that's what's going to knock you out of the game. So expect it. It's okay. Talk to the adversary and be like, hey, I see you. I see you. I got you. But out of my way now. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. That makes sense. <laughs> Following on from that, is there a time or decision where things kind of went one way and you would wish they had gone a different way? I mean, probably constantly. Honestly, like so, so, so often. Um, I mean, even just getting to where I am today and figuring out my genius and being able to sit down and, and you know, I was so busy and had some other things going on. Mm. I'm, not, I'm surprised I even did that. Yeah. I, I should have just kept going in the, in the, in the financial industry and just kept chugging, chugging, chugging. And mm. but something just kept gnawing at me. It was just one of those where I just had to do it. Uh, but everything else in life was trying to keep me there. Mm. It was almost like there was a gravitational pull to not change. Yeah. And that, I feel that constantly. Um, but the different, I guess the difference is I'm fortunate enough. I, I'm aware of it. Yeah. You know, and that's an awareness is the first step to any kind of change. You got to be aware of it. You got to be able to see it, feel it. Um, but I don't know if there's a specific thing. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't focus on that stuff anymore, to be honest. I, I, that stuff falls off my, my plate. I am so forward looking that I keep the lessons from the past because that's just, that's wisdom. Yeah. But the specific events, I let those fall away. I don't hold on to those things anymore yeah. like I used to. Do, do you practice mindfulness or meditation or anything like that? I do. I do. I, every morning get my routine where I do my breathing techniques. I practice a uh, martial art, uh, okay. Kung Fu. Yeah. And that also has very meditative movements and, and affirmations. My affirmations start off, uh, basically I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too glad to be sad. I'm too elated to be agitated and I'm, a, I'm too anointed to be disappointed. Wow. Yeah. And it, and it goes from there. I've got a whole, uh, thing that I, I go through each morning. How you start your day is going to determine how you end it. Well, you're taking yeah. control of your morning. I, th I feel like a lot of people have a very reactive morning. So they're woken up yes. by the alarm. They're like, oh God, I put it on stews. I'm going to be late to work. Have to get in the shower. Don't have time to eat. I'm going to, do you know what I mean? Rather than intentionally going, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to work out. After I work out, I'm going to eat. And you know, the people always say like, oh, you're just trying to do that millionaire morning thing or that billionaire morning habits thing. I'm like, that, I mean, okay. that is a thing. And yeah, maybe those people <laughs> didn't have those habits on the way. But I'm saying for yeah. average people like you and me, it's much better to start your day from a point of control than it is to start it from a point of basically chaos. Yeah. If you don't start your day intention with intention, mm. it's going to be an accident. Yeah. That's your choice. You can live accidentally, which I don't recommend, yeah. or you can live with intention. And it could be something small. Let's be, let's be clear here. This is not something that should take an hour necessarily. Exactly. Even if you give yourself five minutes mm. and maybe you read a book, maybe you just write in your journal. Maybe you just have one glass of water and you just sit there and you just, I want you, I want people to like have a glass of water and envision a perfect day. Mm. What, what could not, what's not all the worry and like how bad the day is going to go, which is what normally think of, oh, it's going to be another shit day, another freaking another day, another pound, whatever. Mm. But I want them to imagine drinking the water and then what could go right today? Yeah. And just sit for five minutes and wonder, I wonder what could go right today, not what could go wrong. Mm. You know, even something simple like that is a way to start your day with intention. But people get wrapped around the axle. They think, oh, I got to do all this stuff and meditate and stand on my head. And I, I don't have time for that because the kids are screaming, the cat's throwing up on the carpet and I don't have breakfast made and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Five minutes. Heck, I would take two minutes. Get up two minutes early, 
and just sit and breathe for two minutes yeah. with a smile on your face. That alone would change your entire day. People will go, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. It's like you said, two minutes a day, you know, and those two minutes, be intentional in those two minutes because yeah. you do have two minutes in your day. Nobody is that busy that they don't have two minutes to, you know, maybe wake up, not look at their phone, go get a glass of water and do what you said. Imagine how their day might go, you know, obviously not like minute by minute and second by second, but just the beats of the day of I'm going to get to this point. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to have a great time because obviously that's what you'd hope for every day. You're having a good time doing what yeah. you're doing. I'm going to come home and eat my dinner or whatever else. But I feel like most people tend to look at the the long tail view of it. So, you know, for example, you, you've got your your Kung Fu that you do. You've got your meditation, you know. I'm assuming you as well on top of that read and have other things that you oh, yeah. do to enhance your mind and, and, you know, your overall kind of mental health and just well-being and, and discipline. So they look at you and they go, oh, I want to be just like you. And it's like, okay, well, you know one day I was just like you and I wasn't doing all this. You didn't come out the womb doing all these things. No, <laughs> don't compare where you are today to where I am today. Mm. The only difference between me and you is time. Mm. That's what you to tell people. That's the only difference between me and you. Yeah. I'm not more special. I'm not more, I'm not better. I'm not smarter necessarily or anything like that. It's just, I started before you did. Yeah. But the key is I started, mm. right? I took that first step. And it's funny. I was, I, this is, this is an analogy that's been coming up a lot, but I, I always ask people, I said, why do buildings have stairs? Yeah. And people give me this weird look. I was like, because you're not supposed to get to the second story, the second level in one, in one jump. <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed by design. Yeah. It actually has stairs for that reason. Mm. So why do you give yourself crap for taking the stairs? Mm. Why, why do you think you've got to jump up an entire story, mm. an entire level yeah. in one, in one fell swoop? Mm. You don't. Even I'm on the second story, but guess what? I took the stairs. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't just magically levitate or jump up to the second story. So go to the stairs, take the stairs and meet me at the top. And so part of your personal life mission, what I'm gathering here is helping people to recognize their greatness. And obviously even that was, you know, uh, as we're using this analogy is taking the stairs approach of like, you're like, Oh, okay. I'm at the job. Okay. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But actually my, purpose or my current mission is to help people become great or their greatest selves what does that look like for you as in because obviously to make someone else their greatest self you have to be constantly working on yourself that's right my mission honestly is to help people uh raise the level of the conversations they're having and the level of their life mm. and business just completely rise up above all the noise of products and services and all that but my vision and this is where I think you'll appreciate this. My vision is a world of personal free trade. Right. You do what you do best. Mm -hmm. I do what I do best. Mm. And then we create so much surplus because of that, mm -hmm. that we have to share. We have to share with others. Yeah. And when we're, everyone is sharing their genius, mm. scarcity goes away. And without scarcity, there's no homelessness, hunger, racism, hate, all this stuff that we as created from scarcity, mm. it all goes away. Mm. And we're living this uh, in this abundant world where everyone's doing what they do best and yeah. in their place of happiness, mm. their full expression, their their self-identity through the roof. Everyone's starting to self-actualize a little bit. Like mm. that's my vision. That's what drives me. That's my finish line ultimately. Yeah. And I, I guess I have to ask this because it's like you're helping other people external to your life do this. Did you make your wife go on the same journey or anybody else in your Heck no. family? <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't train your family. Don't no, don't even try. Yeah. Sorry. It's very difficult to, to work on yourself. 
directly mm-hmm. without a third party perspective, without someone else giving you feedback. Yeah. What the way, the way I say it is you can't see the entire masterpiece when you're in the frame. So coaching, becoming a mentor and having a mentor is so crucial. It's, it was so crucial in my development. And I highly recommend that for anybody. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and pay for somebody. Yeah. You can just take someone out, someone that you admire, someone who's maybe a little further along in the game, mm. take them out for uh, uh, some tea or coffee, right? Yeah. Take their brain, talk with them, build a relationship. Mm. People have this weird conception that rich people are like sitting at the top of a mountain and they're really mean and they're looking down on everyone. Yeah. Let me tell you something, truly wealthy people, yeah. not, the, not the rich you know, narcissistic ones, but the, the truly wealthy people, they love sharing. Yeah. They love seeing other people win. Yeah, no. And if you reach out to them, they will help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because it's one of those ones where it's like there, there is an abundance of things in the world. There is an abundance of opportunity. And the way I like to describe it to people is there's Coca-Cola and there's Pepsi. They're both massive companies, you know, absolutely yeah. huge. But in that, there's still, you know, your Walmart, Pepsi or, you know, equivalent of, you know, the store brand, whatever. There's independent, you know, niche brands. And it's like, if you look at the world and you go, oh, I can't do that. Someone else is already doing it or they're bigger than me. No, competition's good. Competition's healthy. And realistically, if your whole thing is like, I have to keep this thing a secret to myself. If you were able to figure it out, someone else can still figure it out. So you might as well share it with them and keep, you know what I mean? Keep yourself in a state where freedom of information is good and that can help everybody. You know, what's that phrase? A rising tide lifts all boats. All boats, that's right. Yeah. And, and here's the other cool part. I'll even add on to that. There truly is no interpersonal competition anyways, mm. because nobody can, like Sam, for example, no one, let, let, you, you can sell a commodity if you want, mm. but no one's going to do it the same way you do it because yeah. no one's got the same purpose, mission, value, story. All, no one can, has that unique combination that you would bring to that particular product or service or commodity. So it's not possible. Like no one can copy you. They can copy your product. Yes, you're right. I can come up with another carbonated soda and sell it, but no one's going to do it exactly the way I do it. And that, if you're willing to bring that to the front, if you're willing to brand yourself and, and lead with that, you have absolutely zero competition. I don't have any competition. I do personal branding, which is a commodity, but I promise you, no one has the process I do. No one does it the way I do it or asks the same questions or cares the same way or has the same mission. Yeah. So that's the best way to look at it. But you've got to be able to stand out. You've got to be able to stand up for what you believe in, shine forward, and then you will absolutely eliminate the competition. Yeah. Do do you tend to share your own personal kind of story or journey with with new clients and and just to kind of get them to the point of like, hey, I didn't just wake up one day after doing some mushrooms and decide that this is what I want the world to be like. I had a, because yeah. the way you described it, you had a very logical and kind of well thought out process of why you came to this conclusion versus, you know, the more popular conclusion of work hard until I'm 65 and then, oh, wait, you know, there's not enough money there type thing. Absolutely. I'm, I'm always sharing my personal story. And that's one of the assets that you have to build. That's one of the assets as part of the brand manifesto, for example, mm. is your personal story, but not, I've been talking about this a lot too recently about personal stories because I'm doing it for a bunch of clients and I have to remind people it's not a resume. Mm. It's not a biography. Yeah. Your personal story done properly, telling the right story, it's a narrative. 
It's a journey that you want to bring someone on that they can see themselves in your shoes. Yeah. They can see, they can feel kind of what you've been through. Mm. They can empathize with it, recognize it. Mm. And what that does is it, it, it builds an instant rapport. Yeah. It's now you and the person you're working with or one person. Yeah. So you see, when you do that, there's no more adversarial relationship. There's no more, I'm the coach, you're the, I'm the mentor, you're the mentee. No, 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 no. We're sitting on the same side of the table. Yeah. See, there's a difference. And when you can coach like that, so any coaches that are listening, any consultants, any salespeople, I want you to imagine that you're on the same side of the table as the person you're speaking with, not speaking to, that you're speaking with, and you're having a really genuine human conversation. Mm. If you can do that, if you can, and there's ways to do that, but if you can do that, there's no more selling. Yeah. Like there, there's no more now you actually will get the most from your clients. You will be able to help them the most mm. and you will actually turn prospects into clients. Yeah. Right. This is, this gets rid of that dirty sales process of chasing, begging and convincing. Yeah. I think it's one of those things as well, where if you connect with somebody and you have something that, you know, a view, a, a skill they view as useful, if they're going to want to have you because they really know you and who you are and, and kind of what you are doing. But yeah. Okay. So I'm guessing to get to this kind of, mindset you're in now or this this state of of existence and have you know a, technically a level of wisdom you must have read a lot a lot of books do you have any kind <laughs> I of have my library here man i've got stacks and stacks of books that i've read and i only read nonfiction. i don't do any fiction i haven't done a fiction book since i was a probably eight years old was the last fiction book i read it's the same for me i haven't read a fiction book since i was about 19 or 20 <laughs> and since then it's just yeah. been non-fiction and there's no hard and fast yeah. rules i went through myself yeah help and self-development phase of books and now it's like could be a business book could be a, a history autobiography or something like that so I'm, I'm curious what kind of books do you read or what's what's been your favorite book so far and that taught you the most along the way i know it's a hard question for someone who reads a lot yeah there's so many my favorite kinds of wow i've read so many books anything on the subconscious i'm starting getting in i'm starting to get into like I love psychology and human behavior. Yeah. I love learning why people do what they do mm. and why they don't do what they don't do. Mm. So I, I've just finished a book with, about, on Abraham Maslow, not on him, but one of the books he, he, um, he wrote mm. about the hierarchy of human needs and just yeah. fascinating, yeah. absolutely fascinating stuff. Joseph Murphy. Uh, and I've done a lot of the, just the, you know, how do you set goals and like some of the more superficial yeah. kind of personal development. I've, I've done those in the past, mm. but now I'm really getting into the psyche. I'm getting into more of universal laws yeah. and things about uh, understanding deeper roots of psychology and physics and, you know, some other, some other people might call it like kind of out there stuff, but to me, it's fascinating. Yeah, no, I'm in the same vein. I've started to read a book about confidence and not as in like building your own confidence, it's a book about this woman who decides that she wants to go compete in the world series of poker and she started mm -hmm. from nothing. And now she's like, you know, learning along the way she's gone to a couple of tournaments and she's been killing it. And then she loses. And then she, we've got to this point now in the book where it's like, she's like, Oh, those times that I lost, it wasn't that the other person was better than me. I just wasn't my best self. How can I That's turn right. up and be my best self all the time? And I feel like as much as fiction books take you on a journey, nonfiction books can you know, spark your journey or you can look at someone else's journey and take parts or learnings from them. So you don't have to go through those bits yourself. That's right. And that's one of the things I love doing too. Like you just mentioned is reading, uh, 
learning why successful people are successful. Yeah. Like I, I want, I want their story and I want to see what they did and what they didn't do and their aha moments. Mm. And I want to learn from that. So yeah, that, that would be a great book, for example, where you can see like, what is she, what was there in her mind? What is she thinking? What does she figure out? Mm. And that inspires me in my life to say, well, well, I wonder what I can apply here. I wonder what principles I can, I can take from this. I don't read just to read. I always try and figure, I like to like, what can I take from this? What can I apply? What, and I get inspiration from everything. I get inspiration from conversations, from all kinds of stuff. And that lets me create new things as well. A mentor of mine once said, Josh, in life, take the good, leave the bad. So you don't have to read a book and believe everything or do everything. Take a few golden nuggets, take a few things and then apply it. And that'll make the entire book worth it. So that's, that's what I look for. I look for those golden nuggets. It's, it's a very backwards kind of philosophy of, oh, I'm going to read two to 300 pages or something to get one outcome or one understanding. And it's like, you know, as somebody who's reading, I, I, I like to call like reading, I'm reading for sport rather than for pleasure. Like I'm reading yes. with, a, with a very specific goal in mind. And I feel like there's people that read for the kind of social media aspect of it now. So they'll go, oh, I read 12 books this year. It's like, but what did you learn? Did you learn 12 things? Did you learn 20 things? No. You, what did you apply? Yeah. You've just what got a you... stack of 12 books next yeah. to you and you're like, haha, I've read 12 books. Why? What for? And, you know, I guess there's different views to it. But as an entrepreneur, if you're not constantly learning, then you're, you're never going to, you know, progress. That's right. That's right. And then, you know, what did you put into action? Mm. What, what did these books, how did it change your trajectory? Mm. How did it change your mindset? How did it change your view of the world? How did it change your business? Like if you can't answer those questions, if you can't say, I read this thing and this guy said this and oh my goodness, it completely made me think differently about what I'm doing over here. If you can't say that, then I, you might have missed something. Yeah. Maybe go back and reread it with a different intention mm. <laughs> next time. Do you ever go back and read any of your, your books to kind of get a different view on it? I don't. I don't. And, I, and I'm not saying this is good or bad, but Every time I think about rereading a book, yeah. I think about the opportunity cost of not reading a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't. I'm like, there's so much stuff out there I haven't read yet, yeah. and I, I don't want to waste time rereading. So I don't. Maybe I should, but I just don't. I, I completely understand that because I, I always look at people. I don't know if you're this type of person. Sorry if you are, but people that read a book and constantly are taking notes out of that book as if they're studying for a test, I'm like, just read it and digest the knowledge normally. Don't read it and be a seller. Oh, it's time to highlight this and underline this. Because, yeah, I mean, that might work for some people, but I feel like most high achieving people I know, they don't talk about taking notes in a book or anything like that. They talk about reading the book, taking what they took from it and just letting that be that. That's right. Don't dissect the book, experience it. Mm, exactly. Let it be an experience, not a science experiment. Yeah. Right? There's a difference. I always say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You will always get exactly what you need out of a book if you're open to it and nothing more. If you're not ready to hear a higher level message, you won't hear it. So you're not going to get too much information. You're just going to get exactly what you need at that moment that you've been looking for. But you've got to go into it with intention. Every book, why am I reading this book? What is my intention? What do I want to learn? What do I want to get out of it? And then go just read it with that intention in mind, not with notes, not with anything special. And you will find what you're looking for. By the way, that should be, that's true for meetings too. If you're going to go to a webinar, if you're going to go to a seminar or a training course, go into it with an intention, leave with an action plan. 
I love that because that when you give yourself a direct purpose, it's a lot easier to achieve in the moment. Oh, I'm just going to go to this place and network. What are you networking for? Are you networking for leads? Yeah. Networking to, to get to know other people who might know people that could be leads? Have you trying have to collaborate with someone? Yeah. Yeah, what's, yeah, exactly. Most definitely. And so, Josh, I want to ask you kind of a, a closing question, a question I ask most of my guests. And what is it that brings you the most joy in your line of work? Hmm. Most joy. For me, I think it's the aha moment when somebody is stuck. This just happened the other day, working with someone who's in IT, uh, information technology, right? So IT is a very technical field and she's, she's, she's responsible. She's marketing. She's trying to sell IT services. And I said, well, what are you saying? And she's like, oh, I'll go out there and I talk about, you know, spamming and you got to protect them the security and it's so important, blah, 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 blah. So she's basically going out there saying all the same crap as everyone else. I was like, okay, who are you serving? Who's in your heart to serve? And she's like, well, we serve companies that have between 50 and 150 employees. I said, okay. So it kind of what you're saying is you make sure that like at, at home, we lock our doors. Maybe you have a security system. Maybe you've got some cameras around your property. So you want to keep your family safe. What about keeping your business family safe? What if there are a way to make sure you lock the doors on your business and to ensure that you, because at that size of a company, they're family. Everyone knows each other in a hundred person company. So what if we can, what if I can keep your family safe so you don't have to lay off your family one day if somebody intrudes and breaks in and cleans you out? And the moment I said that, you could just see, I don't know if her brain melted or her brain lit up, but something happened, something clicked. And she's like, holy crap. That actually makes sense. And, and it's speaking the language of the people I'm talking to, which are business owners who don't know crap about IT. So, and it, 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 it was just such an aha moment for her. Like, and to see that happen live, you know, just in a quick conversation we had was that's magical. That's, that's where joy comes from. Where can they find you online? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. My website is probably the easiest way, joshzeppis.com. And then if you see me on social media, there's no one else with my name. So if you see Josh Zeppis or the Identity Archaeologist, I promise it's me. There's no other uh, imposter or duplicator out there. And uh, I will, how about this? I'm going to give an offer. Uh, and I don't do this publicly, you know, to, I do it for specific audiences. But if you go to joshzeppis.com forward slash WDYD for what do you do? WDYD. You can book a free 30-minute uh, session with me where we're actually live. We'll create your unique, powerful, persuasive, compelling answer to the question, what do you do? So when next time you go networking, you can take this business asset right away. The next time you go network or introduce yourself, you'll have an amazing, absolutely powerful answer. And for me, it's a public service. I just There's no sales whammy here, nothing like that. It's just I want to give this to people and I want to see them shine. I want them to get a taste of what it's like to have a true personal brand. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.